hello world. This is Satori Shakur coming to you live from WDET in Detroit. This next story is from Amir Baghdadi, who tells a hilarious story of what it's like to travel while being an Iranian-American. Amir Baghdadi, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm at DTW, Detroit Metro, and I'm in the line for customs. And I'm nervous. Nervous because in my bag, I'm smuggling a bologna. Now, I had recently come back from a trip from Italy. That's where I found this bologna. And you have to believe me, although it is obviously illegal to bring an undeclared lunch meat onto American soil, right? This was worth it. This is premium all pork stuff. You know, sometimes on foods, they've got a label that says it's like kosher or halal. It's good for that religion. This one just had one label. It was a warning. It said forbidden by all religions, right? It was, it was that good. And I had come across it on the last day of my trip. I had been walking around in the grueling heat. And it wasn't just, you know, summer heat. It was vacation heat, do you know? Like, I had I sweat past my clothes sticking to me. I had sweat so much that my clothes were now just floating on this permanent fountain of sweat that was just occurring at all places. And I was afraid that if I actually stood still, tourists would throw coins into my navel, thinking, oh, that's one of the sights. Which is to say nothing about sort of the stench, right? The funk that, you, that surrounds you when you're sweating that much. I had my own personal cloud of tear gas. But somehow in that gas, I smelled something, and it was this baloney, right? And when I got to know it, I knew I was willing to violate all sorts of international laws to bring it home with me. So I'm in line at DTW with a baloney in my bag, and it's not the customs guy I'm worried about. What I'm worried about are the beagles. Right. You guys have seen these beagles, right? At DTW, they've got these beagles that are born and bred to snuffle out contraband, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, if these dogs are bred to go crazy when they find illicit drugs, what are they gonna do when they find illegal lunch meat, right? I mean, they're beagles, they will go bananas, they will be like animals. So, I'm nervous, and I see the beagles come out, start snuffling out, waddling. And one of them smells something. He gets a whiff. He comes over to me, waddles up, sticks his nose in the bag, pushes it harder, harder. Then something happens to him. Like an unseen force pulls him away and he waddles off. And I think, oh. I think I know what happened. Because what I had done was I had wrapped the baloney in two weeks of sweat-soaked laundry. <laughs> and I think that more or less did it. I think, I think he just kind of waddled back into the locker room and just said, I am getting too old for this and hung up his badge, right? And in a way, that is, I think we all had an experience like that, right? That's what traveling used to be like, right? We all got through customs and immigration like that. We all, in our own way, cheated a beagle, okay? But then 9-11 happened and things changed, right? Traveling changed. We were told that security would be heightened and tightened. We were told that there were terrorists in our midst and we were told that it was up to airport security to spot these people, okay? What we weren't told was how exactly they were gonna do that because it turns out they weren't really sure either, right? They were making it up as they were going along. And I got my first sense of that 
when I had to travel overseas. In fact, I was gonna move to England to study English for grad school. And when I landed in England, I went up to the immigration guy and I explained, hey, I'm, I'm here for grad school in English. And he goes, oh yeah? What's the plot of Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist? <laughs> now, I had never actually read Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, but I had seen a movie version of the musical Oliver! Exclamation <laughs> point. And I figured, as long as I don't accidentally break into song, I should be fine, right? I faked my way through it, I got through, and I thought, my God, if the terrorists ever get hold of a box set of classic musicals, we are doomed, right? But there was one incident in particular that made me really realize that things were different. And it happened again, I was flying into London and although I was living there at the time, right, although I was actually flying home, the line I have to wait in when I land is the immigration line for foreigners. And the agent asked to see my passport. And I think this is an anxious moment for everyone, right? As you, you know, watch the agent look at you, look at your picture, look at you, look at your picture, and just praying, please God, let me look like myself, right? <laughs> Celebrate 75 years of public radio in Detroit with WDET. As our spring fundraiser commences, let's unite to support what makes Detroit unique. 75 years of people-powered radio. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap Donate in the mobile app. So the agent is looking at my passport picture and I'm just going, ah! But I'm also praying that she doesn't turn the page. Because my passport is not like your passport. It's official, it's 100% official. But by accident, this is true, someone sewed in the pages into the wrong order. So it goes five, 16, 23, eight, two. And when I found this out the first time, I immediately called the State Department. I said, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my passport? And they said, you know, that just happens. It's still valid. And I said, fine, but now I look like the world's most amazing counterfeiter, who, ironically, is bad at counting, right? Like, if you like this passport, wait till you see my $6 bill. It's amazing. But the agent doesn't turn the page. Instead, another agent pops up. This young guy, could have been more than 22, really cheerfully says, sir, sir, if you just come with me, I want to ask you a couple questions. And I follow him into a windowless room and he sits me down and he asks me, and I swear to God, this is exactly what he asked me. He goes, so sir, I see you have a beard. Are you Muslim? Exactly, I was basically speechless too, right? Just, what, what are you gonna say to that? And I was in shock that A, this kind of flagrant targeting could go on and B, that the airport security experts had yet to come up with a more nuanced way of identifying terrorists than beards, right? Like they're like, okay guys, we can't use racial profiling, but what about facial profiling, right? And this from a guy who couldn't have been more than 12, right? He couldn't even have grown a beard if he wanted to. So clearly there was envy at work here, okay? So I said to him, hearing all this, I said to him, my answer was, I refuse to answer your question. Actually, I wish I had said it like that. Actually, it came out with, I refuse to answer your question. And he goes, sir, sir, you seem a bit agitated. Is there a reason why you're a bit agitated? And I said, 
the reason I am agitated is because I am being detained for no reason. And he says, sir, sir, calm down. I'm not detaining you. We're just having a bit of a chat. It's just a bit of a chat. And I say, a chat? A chat typically doesn't happen in a windowless room against your will with a government agent. And I, he smiled and I could just see him making the note to himself, subject confesses open hostility to government agents. And I said, look, look, you have to understand, I just have to get out of here to catch this train, this one train, the 215 train, that's the good train. I need to get that train. And he goes, well, that's interesting. You seem to have made an extensive study of our transport system. Tell me more. And before I could say anything else, he says, and by the way, getting down real low so you can look me right in the eye, we've been looking through your passport. We noticed the pages are in the wrong order. Is there something you'd like to tell us? Now, people, it is infuriating being treated like a terrorist, okay? It is also infuriating being treated like a child. And currently, I am being treated like both, okay? And I decide right then and there, I am not gonna put up with this violation of my civil liberties. I'm gonna dedicate my life to civil liberties. I'm gonna give speeches at the United Nations. I've already booked it, right? I'm gonna fist bump the Dalai Lama. I'm going to be the voice of civil liberties. Never mind that up until that point in my life, I never really cared about civil liberties, right? To be perfectly honest, if instead of me, I'd watched him haul away an Amish woman from the line, I'd have been like, I don't know. I mean, sure, she looks innocent, but if she's got nothing to hide, what's with the bonnet? Or should I say, terror head covering? But then the guy comes back, smiling as anything, he goes, okay, everything checks out, we're all done here, you're free to go. I'm like, wait, 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 what? I, I, I have a speech to give the United Nations, right? I, what happened? All my righteous indignation has nowhere to go. But I say, fine, okay, well, you're lucky, because I was just gonna leave anyway. And I got home and I couldn't wait to tell all my friends the news that I was now a martyr. <laughs> and, and, it, and it felt really good, just, just so you know. And uh, one of my friends says, yeah, but don't you realize, if you think about it, there's really two sides to that story. Each of, each of you, both you and that agent, each had your own understanding of the other's behavior. And I thought, oh my God, that is, that's completely right. Because from my point of view, I am this noble, innocent, brave victim of an arbitrary, senseless tyranny, right? And from his point of view, I am a textbook international criminal. And the truth is, I can't help that that's what I look like. In fact, I will always look like that to a certain degree. And it's actually not getting any better, it's getting worse. I was watching the news the other day, and they flashed up on the screen the chief mastermind of ISIS, okay? His name is al-Baghdadi. My name is Amir Baghdadi, which means I am one typo away from being taken out in a drone strike. So, you know, can you really blame these people, these airport security people? Yes, absolutely, let's blame them because it feels really good, but not out loud. Right, you've gotta take steps. I just realized you gotta take steps. And one of the trips I took most recently internationally, I was in London again, and something happened with my flight arrangements. I had to get to the airport fast. 
And as I was darting out of my hotel by the train station, I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I looked at my beard. And I don't know if you know this, but as far as airport security is concerned, there's only about a half an inch of beard difference between Brooklyn hipster and terror watch list, right? <laughs> you wanna be on the right side of that, that half inch. So I ran out and it turned out that this hotel was in a Bangladeshi neighborhood. And I ran to the first barber shop I could see. Tiny shop, one barber, one chair, and he already had a customer with his cape on reading the newspaper. And I came in panting and I said, look, I've gotta go on an international flight, sort this out now. And without blinking, the guy in the chair leaps out, tears out his cape, gives me his newspaper, and they get to work. And I went to the airport, and I've never gone through so smooth. And this got my mind thinking, I think, okay, let's take this up another level. And that's where I am now. Now, when I travel internationally, or really anything, I will never dress like this. This is way too suspicious. They see a guy, they say, that's a nice suit, I wonder whose it is, right? No, no, now I dress, like the, the, like the ideal of all airport security people. I dress like an American dad, okay? I wear shorts, Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt, fishing hat. I have a big gulp, even though they don't even allow it, I just go right? And when I really wanna seal the deal, I make sure that I'm chewing the entire time a piece of premium all pork bologna. Thank you. Amir Baghdadi, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Twisted Storytellers is a production of WDET in Detroit. Recorded live at the Wright Museum by Connor Anderson and Rasan Cherry. Sound design and mix by Sam Bobian. Podcast coordinator Joan Isabella. And special thanks to Michael Perkins. I am your host, Satori Shakur. And thank you, MGM Grand Detroit, for supporting season two of Twisted Storytellers podcast. See you next time. <laughs>